I hear from time to time, pretty often, from parents and grandparents the sorrow that they often feel whenever they have a child or a grandchild or multiple children or grandchildren who have, in one way or another, left the faith. Or if not officially left it, they just don't really practice it anymore and it's not really important to them. And this very often is deeply distressing to the parents and especially the grandparents. They, they feel as though they failed. They don't always know why or what went wrong in order to make their child not be interested in faith anymore. And it just seems so complicated and it just tears them apart because they, they care deeply about their children and grandchildren. And they want what's best for them in this life, but especially they want what's best for them in the next life to come. And so you can imagine the great distress that they would feel, and perhaps many of you um, may be able to relate. And unfortunately, the statistics are kind of against us. It looks as though in the past couple decades, the amount of Christians, people who proclaim to be Christian... And I'm talking just Christian, let alone Catholic, are just declining at large numbers. And it, 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 it makes us ask a lot of questions. It makes us ask a lot of questions. And, and on top of this, um, just even in the past few years, we all have been living the turmoil of a divided world, a divided nation, and even a divided local society. And the trouble of this division really tears us apart because very often we have people that we love deeply that severely disagree with us. Or we severely disagree with them and it's so hard to get along because maybe this is our, our family members or maybe it, it, it was our closest friends or perhaps our, our co-workers and, and suddenly it's more than just faith. Now it's, it's, it's moral issues and it's political issues and it's, it's theological issues and it it's just seems to just keep getting more and more heated. And, and we want to build bridges but we sometimes feel helpless and we don't know how to move forward with all this division. What I've noticed is that very often the moral and political issues that we kind of divide ourselves on, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, people tend to simply agree with their group of people. A lot of times it has more to do about culture than it does about the actual issue itself. A lot of times because the world is so, um, it's just so overwhelming, all the different issues, and sometimes we don't even know what we think or what we feel about it, and so we really just want to know what our closest friends think or feel, and a lot of times we kind of just go with that. Or we ask somebody that we know and trust that has done their research, it sounds good to them, so it sounds good to me, and a lot of times it's more cultural than it really is political or moral or theological. I've heard it said once that culture eats strategy for breakfast, just, which is just a, a, a euphemism or a way of, of um, hyperbole, a way of just saying that culture is oftentimes way more influential than any kind of strategy that you're going to have to influence somebody's ideas. Culture is so important. 
And you see, Jesus understood this. He knew this very well. Jesus knew how difficult it is to behave, as we all know. Behave is such a word that we kind of, it like irks us to behave. But a lot of times our behavior reflects our beliefs. And Jesus knew that. That how, what and how you believe and see the world oftentimes affects your behavior. And so Jesus understood the importance of not only challenging people to change their behavior, but also challenging them to change the way they see the world, to change the way that they embrace the truth. But he also knew that's hard too. Jesus knew that in order to influence someone's behavior, you have to influence their beliefs. But really to influence someone's beliefs, one of the most persuasive ways is to influence to whom they belong. This belonging makes all the difference. Jesus understood the power of relationship. He understood the power of an authentic friendship so that as we know and trust each other and truly know each other and, and have uh, the trust to be able to completely be ourselves and share how we think and feel, that belonging, that type of friendship and community has a, such a big impact on what we believe and therefore how we behave. And when we find a community that we fit in with, very often we're willing to completely change everything we believe and everything that we do. Belonging is at the foundation of discipleship. Jesus understood that in order to impact culture, in order to influence a culture, he had to start with authentic relationship. And he did that very well. He spread his relationships far and wide, but he especially invested into 12 men. And tonight we celebrate the climax of that relationship. This, this evening, the, the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus and his 12 disciples are in the, the upper room, and so many things happen on this night where it's the night before he, he dies. It's, it's the night where he institutes the Eucharist. For us, it's the night where he institutes the priesthood for us and ordains these 12 men to be the first priest. It's the night where Jesus is, is, is beginning his passion. And therefore, his hour of glory is about to be revealed. But at the heart of this night, at the heart of Jesus' entire mission, is to build a culture of discipleship. And at the heart of being a disciple is this knowledge of knowing that you belong to the Father. At the heart of discipleship is belonging to the Father. Jesus lived his whole life that way, and he belonged very much to the Father. His entire, everything he thought, said, and did was with the Father, and he taught his disciples to do the same. But on this night before he died, he, he takes bread and he says, this is my body, which is given up for you. In a sense, Jesus is saying, I, 
Jesus, belong to you. I give my body to you. Do this in memory of me. And you belong to me. And we belong to the Father. There's this sense of belonging at the heart of the Eucharist. There's a sense of belonging that happens at the washing of the feet, which we're about to enact uh, uh, liturgically after the homily, where Jesus gets down on his knees and starts to wash the feet of these 12 ordinary men. Jesus, knowing fully that he was God and he was going back to God, he is fully divine and had no real reason to serve man, but freely chose to do it. Why? Because Jesus belongs to you, and you belong to him. And we belong to God the Father. And that is at the heart of discipleship. That is at the heart of the culture that Jesus came to create. And that is at the heart of the culture that changed the world forever. This sense of belonging is where we start. This sense of belonging impacts our beliefs, our behaviors, and everything else. So I want to ask you tonight, to whom do you belong? You can belong to one of two things. You can belong to God the Father, or you can belong to the world. And if you belong to God the Father, you embrace and believe the truth of who God is and who you are. And if you belong to God the Father, you embrace the behaviors of a Christian disciple. Someone who is driven by charity above all else. Love of God and love of neighbor. But if you belong to this world, we tend to start believing things that go contrary to the gospel. Things that, that seem to make kind of some sense, that seem to be pretty good. They, 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 they work out in our brain, and we, we know how it affects other people in our lives, and so we start to believe things that are dangerous, things that simply aren't true, but things that are trendy, things that are, that, that are politically charged. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, that goes against the gospel and if we don't belong to God the Father, we don't even realize it. And even further, if we don't belong to God the Father, and if we belong to the world, our behaviors tend to slip. Because in our weakness, we tend to just kind of like sin a little bit too much. And we start to justify what we're doing and kind of explain it away. And we don't even, we, we eventually get to a point where we're not even sorry anymore because we don't even really think that it's all that bad. And our behavior starts to be completely contrary to the gospel. Because we don't belong to God the Father and we don't even know that we are offending him. To whom do you belong? Are your beliefs and behaviors impacted most by God and his truth? Or by the world and the culture of what's trendy? is a challenging thing for us to consider, but perhaps an opportunity for us 
to give this back to the Lord. Imagine how amazing if it would be if we had a culture of discipleship here at St. Leo. If we had not a strategy, but a culture. If we had a culture where people belong to God the Father first. And a culture where people belong to this community in such a way that it was an authentic Christian community founded on truth and founded on charity. Imagine how amazing it would be. How, how much we would thrive as Christian disciples. Imagine how many more people would probably want to be a part of this way of living if we were witnesses of discipleship. If we actually engage in the culture that Jesus Christ came to instill. Our invitation for this sacred triduum is to ask God the Father to reveal to us once more what does it mean to be a disciple. To ask God the Father to show us what it means to belong to him. Because God is saying it to us, but we sometimes don't believe it. Perhaps we can ask God the Father to help us truly know and believe that we belong to him and to his church. And then, only then, are we in a place to start talking about challenging beliefs and challenging behavior.